and uh, we'll be having a look, as, as Phil said, at that passage in John chapter 2. Um, so do have that open uh, in front of you. That would be really helpful for you um, to follow along. Well, as has already been mentioned, um, it's been a great few days of celebration, hasn't it, in our country? Um, the, the Queen's 70 years on the throne, the Platinum Jubilee, it's been, it's been really wonderful. Um, I, uh, I actually got to go down on Thursday to, to London uh, with some, some friends and uh, enjoy some of the, the Jubilee celebrations, saw the, the trooping of, of the colour, um, uh, and it was great to just be there and be, be part of that. Um, but but imagine, if, imagine if Thursday came, uh, and instead of so, so seeing the soldiers on horseback, instead of a, a gun salute, instead of trumpets and marching bands, instead of all that, the, the, the Queen is driven, lo- uh, along, driven along to Buckingham Palace. And uh, she, she finds actually that the place has been turned upside down. Uh, the... the the place is full of stalls. Soldiers are there. They're, they're selling those big furry hats. They're, they're, they're offering horse rides to people for uh, five pounds. Um, so some of their best horses are even being sold. Uh, music is playing by those marching bands with buckets to drop money in. If that happens, like, the Queen would be rightly enraged. Like, what have you done to my home? Uh, the the honour that, that's due to her for her 70 years of, of service in this country uh, is turned not to honour. It's, it's dishonouring her. Uh, it's for themselves, making all the money that they can, not, not honouring the Queen. A, a huge, significant occasion would have been uh, overshadowed. Well, this morning we're, we're continuing our journey through John's Gospel, and um, after the excitement of that, that first m- miracle uh, recorded in John, uh, the water changing into wine, uh, after that excitement, we, we find in verse 12, um, Jesus, his mothers and his brothers, and uh, his mother and his dis- brothers, uh, wait, only one mother, and his disciples, they're, they're following him into Capernaum, which is kind of a home base for Jesus. Uh, and uh, they're, they're there for a few short days before they make their way down to Jerusalem, uh, ready for the Passover festival, uh, where people are across the the Roman world would have gathered in Jerusalem for this great Passover festival. A bit like how many from across the UK have gathered in, in London over the last few days for the, to celebrate the Queen. And this Passover festival, it was to celebrate uh, that, that time when God rescued his people from slavery in Egypt. And the place that was most central for Jewish worship, it, it was the temple. And it's there that Jesus makes his way to. It was a place of worship, a, a place where God dwelt among his people. The outer court of the temple where Jesus enters into, that, that was designed for even Gentiles to come into, to come and inquire, come and see what the, the worship of God is all about. 
And Jesus is heading there, heading to the temple. Uh, remember who, who we've seen Jesus is so, so far in John's gospel. Th- this is God himself come to dwell among his people. And as he enters the temple, surely he is entering what should feel like home, a little of heaven on earth. And you kind of expect that a red carpet to be rolled out for him, a welcome banner to put up. People are ready there, getting their, their selfies with Jesus. Like he's come back. This is wonderful. Trumpet sounding welcome. It's a hugely significant occasion. Verse 14. In the temple courts. He found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. That is not a picture of worship, of honor, of God. It's like they've they've picked. God up and shoved him over to one side and instead placed there their own things, selling things, making money, not worshiping God, forgetting him. He's just over there. That The place should have been a place of prayer, a place where Jesus should have been the, the most honored guest, seeing his father worshiped by people. And instead, it was noisy. Animals were bleating. The coins were rattling. People shouting, come and get your doves. It's a marketplace. Not a worship place. Animals were were being sold there. The the priests would have been very unlikely to accept your your animals from home. uh, Found something to say that that's wrong with them and so they sold animals uh, there at extortionate prices the temple tax was due it but it had to be paid in a very specific form of currency and so there's money changes there and they would have received quite a nice profit for the the money changing that was going on religious leaders were there exploiting people, oppressing people, robbing people for their own gain. This is not the proper worship of God. This is self-seeking, financial gain. God's been picked up and thrown over to one side. And so as Jesus enters there, is he going to just watch and leave it alone. Verse 15. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. He made a whip. He drove people out. He drove the animals out. 
shouts, get out. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples who hadn't been with him that long. Maybe this, at this point they'd be thinking, oh no, like, this is embarrassing. Who are we following here? Maybe it felt like being with, with, with mum and dad and they, they do something just so embarrassing. Why did you say that, mum? Why did you do that, dad? And you might be sitting here this morning hearing of Jesus doing this. Like, is this really Jesus? Is he really bursting out in rage? I thought, I thought Jesus was gentle, meek, loving, kind not angry. And yet he shows here right anger. They've turned God's house into a market. They're exploiting people for for money. What, What Jesus is doing here isn't embarrassing at all. This is standing up, saving people from exploitation. Overturning the tables to make sure people could freely come and worship God alone. So, what comes to the disciples' minds isn't, oh no, this is embarrassing. What comes to their minds is a verse from the psalm, zeal for the Lord's house consumes It's from a psalm written by by King David, who was zealous for the the temple, that it would have the right worship of God. We sang another psalm earlier about how good it is to be together in the temple of, of God, in the worship of God, bringing honor to God with God's people. But here was the complete opposite of that. Here was a marketplace. Jesus shows zeal for the Lord's house. Showing a passion for pure worship. Worship that is right. Worship that is honoring to his father. Not exploitation. Not turning the place into a market. Worship centered on God himself. Not throwing him to one side and forgetting about him. We're going to see three uh, things uh, from this. Uh, First of all, uh, Jesus cares about pure worship. Jesus cares about pure worship. Uh, In... Malachi, the book of Malachi, that, that last book we have in the Old Testament, it says, and suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. And here we have this, this prophecy for, fulfilled. The Lord has come to purify the, the worship of God's people. He wanted pure worship, not not people trading and gaining profit, not self-seeking, not greedy, not in it for self, but for the glory 
and honor of God alone. He wants people to come back to God alone. God alone who had rescued his people from slavery in Egypt. Have him at the center. A few months ago, I was really, really sad to, to watch a documentary about a church which uh, has a, a business, worldwide business model, to, which is designed to make as much money as possible. Uh, and it, it, the church's founder was found to have uh, found guilty of inappropriate behavior with, with a few women. Uh, and it was just really sad to see. Like, that's not what we want to hear about God's church. People who are supposed to be following Jesus. And that would make Jesus angry too because he, he cares about pure worship. <laughs> and so it's right that we, we ask ourselves, how, how, how does God view, view our worship of him? Is it centered upon God alone? Or has he been thrown over to one side? We've put ourselves or other things in the center. As I said earlier, the outer court where Jesus enters into, that, that was a place for even the, the Gentiles to come and, come and see. Come and see the worship of God. As people come amongst us, do they, they see a, a bunch of, of people seeking their own glory? Or people whose hearts are filled with worship to, to, that's based on God alone. God alone at the center of it. And so there's a responsibility for, for those of us who, who lead services, who, who choose songs, who, who preach, that, that we're making sure that we're doing it to glorify God alone, not to show off how uh, ourselves, but to lead us to God, to make sure that it's him at the center, not us. And for all of us, there's a responsibility too. We've, we've sung uh, songs which should bring great honor. We, we've sung uh, to God. J Jesus is the name we honor. To God be the glory. Songs which have God alone at the center. His glory. They help us to direct our, our hearts to, to worship him alone. We need to make sure our, our hearts too are, are, are in the right place. <laughs> Another psalm, uh, Psalm 51, da David wrote these words, you, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, you, God, will not despise. As we come together, are we remembering we are broken? We are sinful. We need the Lord. Are we coming expectant to hear his words? Coming wanting to make sure he is at the center of what we do here. 
As a church, we gather together in the Lord's name. Let's take this seriously, just as Jesus does. Come as a people, knowing we're broken, knowing we're needy. Coming as a people wanting to praise God alone for his grace that he has shown to us. Come with broken and contrite hearts that God will not despise. Jesus comes to his temple. He throws out everything that gets in the way of the pure worship of God. Because he cares about worship that is centered on God alone. Secondly, Jesus cares about access to God. Jesus is the true meeting place between gods and human beings. The, the temple was just a shadow of what Jesus was to come and do. The, the temple uh, in, for the Jewish people was the place where they met, uh, were able to come uh, and be together uh, and worship God, the place where God dwelt with his people. But now Jesus had come. Now Jesus was that meeting place between God uh, and human beings. Uh, and the sacrifices that happened in the temple, uh, remember a few weeks ago we saw Jesus was, was the sacrifice, the Lamb of God, the one who came to take away the sin of the world. To bring us access to God. And we see uh, how he shows us, um, how he makes this possible in this passage. Verse 18. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? It, it was dramatic, wasn't it, what Jesus was doing? You can... I, I can picture, I've been picturing in my head Jesus overturning these tables, whipping, uh, making sure the, these people and animals go out. It is dramatic. And so, of, of course, people are going to say, well, why, how, what, what authority do you have to do this? It's a bold thing. Either he's got some authority to do this or he's a complete lunatic. Jesus as the son of God, as the new temple. He has all the, the authority in the world to do this. And so Jesus, Jesus, he answers the question in verse 19. He says, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. But that would sound really weird. Destroy a temple, destroy a building, and it'll be back in three days. If, if this building here was to be destroyed this afternoon, it's not going to be back in three days. What's Jesus on about? Well, Jesus speaks about himself. He's going to show a great sign. Destroy, destroy me, the, the true and living temple, and I will be raised again 
in three days. You, you can't keep me down. That's what Jesus is saying. Destroy me and I will be raised again in great triumph over death. Because Jesus cares about access to God so much. He was willing to offer his life for us. To bring us back to God. that the final sacrifice made the way for human beings to be able to meet together freely with their God. No, nothing in the way, no market in the way of getting to meet God. Only coming to Jesus, the true and living temple. The disciples um, we, we see that they come to understand this, but it wasn't until after these events um, happened. Verse 22, after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words Jesus had spoken. What Jesus is saying, destroy this temple and uh, it will be raised again in three days. It, it's, it's hard for people that are listening to Jesus to get their heads around that. But it all made sense. If you go and read later on, John, uh, towards the end of John's gospel, read of Jesus' death, but then read of his great resurrection, then it can all make sense. Jesus died. He was buried, but he's been raised again so that we can meet with God, so that we can have access with God. As we gather together in the name of the Lord, pe people, should, people should see something different from the world around us. If you want people buying and selling, go, go just wander down the road. We want people to come here and see that Jesus has changed everything, that he has died, that he has been risen again, and we can now meet with God. We can have worship God alone. We can hear from him and sing praise to him, the one who brings us access to God. And it's wonderful. Let nothing get in the way of people coming to find that access to God that Jesus has made possible in his death and resurrection. The work is all done now in Jesus. The way is freely open. Sinful people can now come and be saved. Jesus cares about pure worship. Jesus cares about access to God's. So in this church where we meet together to worship the Lord, what's our priority? Well, I think it should be this, Jesus alone. It is our priority that this good news of Jesus who died and rose again is proclaimed, that the people can come and freely hear about this good news. 
that, that people can come and freely gather together and worship him, have him at the center. That's what it should be. Jesus alone is our priority. It's like at school, like we, we go and we, we learn the, the alphabet. We, we learn to use commas and full stops in those early days of school. But, but then we can go on and, and learn more, more, more complex things, things that I probably don't understand. Uh, more punctuation, more big words in English. But all, that's, all that big and complicated stuff is no good if we've forgotten the alphabet, forgotten how to use a full stop. And so with the gospel, so, so with gathering together, let's never, ever, ever move away from Jesus alone for salvation. Never let anything get in the way of Jesus who died and was buried and rose again. It's by faith alone in Jesus alone that we're saved and can have access to the living God. But those, those priests in the temple, they put things up in the way of people coming to God, coming to worship him alone. Are we putting things in the way? Do we say, yes, come along, come and come to church, but, but, but make sure you're dressed in a smart, casual way? Or, or come, but, but, but only if you can name me all, all, all the books in the Bible. Or, or come, but only if you can sing well. Come, but only if you bring a bit of money to pop in the offering box. Please come, please come, but don't sit in my seat. It's something I have been so encouraged by in this church, uh, in getting to know you over recent weeks, is your love for the Bible. It's so good to see how you just want to get stuck into looking at the Bible, hearing it, it's really great. It really is encouraging, and please don't stop. But, but let's, not, let's not let our love for the Bible, for God's Word, let's not let that get in the way to other people. Let's not expect that other people are going to know everything there is to know about the Bible. It's not let people feel like there's some Bible quiz to enter into the kingdom of God. Let's never move away from Jesus alone who can save. With the Jubilee celebrations, they, they've been all about one person. They've been all about the queen, her rule for the last 70 years. It's been such a significant occasion and this passage is an even more significant occasion as Jesus enters that new temple at Passover time. As Jesus, the new temple comes in and shows that 
the worship and honor of God alone, that's to be what happens. Anything that gets in the way, Jesus overturns it. (laughs) Don't shove him over to one side. Have God at the center. Honor God. Him alone. Jesus alone can say. You know what that that overturning of tables, driving out of the money changers and market sellers. That's how he feels about our sin, too. Like when we when we sin, we're saying, shove off God. We move God over to one side and we do what we want. And so sin needs dealing with. Sin is serious. It needs to be dealt with. And wonderfully, God has dealt with sin, not as we deserve. But he's given us the Lord Jesus, the new temple, the new meeting place with God and human beings. The one who's come to take away our sin, to bear our punishment for us. So that if we call upon his name, we can be saved. Jesus cares that nothing gets in the way of people coming to find that salvation. He's not looking for sinless perfection because we can't bring that. But he is looking for broken and contrite hearts. Those God will not despise. So if we come before him and ask for his forgiveness for sin, he will be gracious to us. If you come and ask God to forgive you today for the first time, he he will, he offers it freely to you. And maybe this morning as we've been listening, there's, we, we know actually our, our hearts have moved far away from him. And we need to come back to God again. Because <laughs> we've seen those things which have been getting in the way of us having God alone at the center. And so let's ask him to come to deal with our hearts, to cleanse us, to help us worship him, to have him alone at the center. Let's be a church, let's be a place where Jesus is on it, where we don't put religion stuff in the way of people coming to hear about Jesus, who alone can save. Where we invite people to come freely without any money, freely to hear the good news and to worship him alone. In a moment, we're going to sing sing some words which are a prayer to God, a prayer to God to help us be a church where Jesus is known, where he reigns, where he's worshipped, where he's preached. But I think it'd be great if we spend a moment just being quiet, responding to God, uh, and I'm going to 
Help us in that as, as I pray the, the last verse of the hymn that we'll sing. And then we'll sing it prayerfully to God. Lord of the church, we pray for our uniting. True to one calling by one vision stirred. One cross proclaiming and one creed reciting. One in the truth of Jesus and his work. So lead us on till toil and trouble ended. One church triumphant, one new song shall sing to praise his glory, risen and ascended. Christ over all, the everlasting King. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Mark's going to come. He's going to lead us in that hymn together. Thank you, Stan and Sue. Um, it's a great pleasure to choose the Londonderry 